0: Everyone say, thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. This morning we're going to, uh, I just want to review quickly. And so you understand, we've been talking about the purpose of the cross. Why did Jesus Christ die upon the cross? And I'm, I I want to give you this statement because it's so good by uh, David Ravenhill. He says, maturity requires... A total surrender of ourselves to the Lord. The cross represents death, death to our own desires, our own plans, our own ambitions, our own goals. The cross is final and complete. Now that we are dead to self, we must live for Christ. Say, I'm dead to self. I must live for Christ. He says, we need to ask this question. Lord, what will you have me to do? It is only when we recognize that we were created by Him and for Him. By Him, created by Him and for Him. And then respond by giving ourselves back to Him that we can find and fulfill the purpose for which we were created. I want you to look in your Bibles today to Luke 23. Luke chapter 3. We're going to go through the Gospels today, and our, we'll spend our time here in Luke. <clears throat> and then we'll look at the rest of the Gospels Wednesday night and then Sunday morning. I think it's a profound thing to go through these statements that Christ made when he hung on the cross. And we think Jesus Christ is God, but he was also human. He was man. And we need to remember that, remember his pain, remember his sufferings. And let's go through here. In in Luke chapter 23, let's start with uh, verse 26. It says, Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. For indeed, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never borne, breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? And there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they'd come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. The first lesson that we need to learn, and we're going to go through each statement, and we need to apply These truths to our lives and the first truth is this the first lesson is that we need to forgive those that persecute us how many of you have ever here i'm going to see your hands today how many here have ever been offended i mean to the point where you did you had a hard time forgiving that individual everyone here in this room and it's real important, especially in the hour in which we live, that we keep our heart free from offense. As I was praying yesterday and, and, and uh, thinking about today, and even this morning, this is, keeps coming up in my spirit. And it really, you know, has to do with self. Everyone says self. But here's something that I, and I believe this is what the spirit of God, I'm getting distracted, and but I believe it's a good distraction. Right now on this earth, in the time in which we live, there's a great rebellion. And it's a rebellious spirit. All you have to do is turn on TV, listen to news commentators, and you'll find that. It's a spirit of rebellion against government, against an employer, against somebody. And I'm telling you to this day, you need to guard, and I need to guard your heart from being a rebellious believer. Maybe you're here today and you're not in rebellion to anything. That's great. But keep your heart pure and keep your heart right. Keep your, the attitude of your heart right. We need to learn to forgive our persecutors. He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. How many of you read this book? A long time ago, Kathy, had you read it. It's called The Hiding Place. Somebody, how many read it? Let me see your hands. Not enough. It's by Corrie Ten Boom, and she, her father was a Dutch watchmaker. And it says here, she became the heroine of the resistance, a survivor of Hitler's concentration camps, and one of the most remarkable evangelists of the 20th century. And you, you young people need to read this because some of you don't have any idea what some of these people endured during World War II. She gives a comment here, and I think this is... I wanted to read it because it deals on forgiveness. She and her sister went, were in a concentration camp, and she gives all the details, how they got on the train, got off the train, and they take them and stripped them of their clothes and the shame that they endured. And she goes on, and she tells about... Uh, there was a certain Nazi... when who was in charge evidently of people entering the showers. And she ran into him later after the war. And I want to pick up there and I want to read this. And she traveled all over Holland and Europe and the United States and telling her story and her sister's story of what they endured in the concentration camp. But she says, the place where the hunger was greatest was Germany, Germany. Germany was laid in ruins, cities of ashes and rubble, but more terrifying still, minds and hearts of ashes. Just across the border was to feel the great weight that hung over that land. I was at a church service in Munich, and I saw him. The former SS man, who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center center at Ravensbrück, he was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there, the room full of mocking man, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pained, blanched face. Now, she died, if I remember right, in, concent- in the concentration camp. He came up to me as the church was emptying, Beaming and bowing, how grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that, as you say, he has washed away all my sins. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. <clears throat> Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile and I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, but the, not the slightest spark of warmth. Or charity. And so again I breathed this silent prayer. Jesus I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand a current seemed to pass from me to him. Well that was the anointing. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness anymore that, that then, excuse me. and so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness anymore, than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges but on his. And when he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the commandment, the love itself. You know we, we don't understand. We, we can't even fathom what those people endured, and yet she put her hand forward. It's, it's an, you know, forgiveness, folks. Let me give you a newsflash. flash. has nothing to do with how you feel at the moment. It's an action. Faith is an action. She took an action, and she put her hand forth. She didn't want to, but she did it. And she called upon the grace of God to do it. And as a result, the love of God flooded her heart for the man. And I'm sure, blessed him too. Can you, you think about what she endured, but you put yourself in his shoes. What he did. How he treated the Jewish people. But the blood of Jesus took care of it all. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. I've been at this for almost 30 years. And sometimes I still find myself perplexed why people do what they do. But we're human beings. We're all works in progress, of course. But yet it still amazes me how people can treat other people and what amazes me how at times my flesh can treat other people. Is it just me? Father, forgive them for they don't know they don't know what they do. I want you I want to remind you something. What I've learned through the years is I've discovered many times what people have gone through, and I've realized their history, then I understand why they act the way they do and talk the way they do. It just helps put things in perspective. You've got to realize where some people come from, what some people have endured, the abuse they've endured, the neglect they've endured. And it helps you be a little more compassionate. Persecution is inevitable for the believer. You will be persecuted. Now, people in America don't understand persecution. They just don't comprehend it. You know, if they're last in line at Perkins, that's persecution. But I'll give you some scriptures, and I just want you to listen. John 15, 20, if they persecuted me they will also persecute you. Matthew 5, 11, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Matthew 13, 21, persecution arises because of the word. Second Corinthians 4, 9, Paul says persecuted but not forsaken. If you're doing anything and serving God and trying to press forward and you're in the word and you're going to church and you're trying to be a good believer, a godly individual, you're going to deal with persecution. It's going to happen. You're going to be set up by the devil many times to be offended. My heart goes out to pastors throughout the nation. Pastors, men and women of God that have given their life to pastor and to feed God's sheep and take care of them, and how many times people have come against them. But we, like you, have to make sure that we guard our heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. God's nature is to forgive. Exodus thirty four verse six The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Psalm eighty six, five. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. Say ready to forgive. See, we serve a God that's ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Psalm one oh three. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives some of my iniquity. Forgives all of my iniquity and delivers my life from destruction. Amen. Matthew 5 and verse 43. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Remember our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So God's nature is one that forgives. He's ready to forgive. How many of you know the last miracle of Jesus? I'll tell you which one it is. Give me a sword and we'll demonstrate. You want to be the, no? Remember impetuous Peter? He took that Roman sword, which was a he could have been thrown in jail for just taking a, a Roman sword. And he took it, and he swung, and he cut the ear off of Caiaphas, who was the high priest at of of that point. His name was Malchus. He cut Malchus' ear off, completely cut it off. What did Jesus do? Now, let me tell you something who Malchus was. He was the servant of the high priest Caiaphas, who was a member of the sect called the Sadducees, and Sadducees did not believe in miracles. They did not believe in the supernatural. And so all through the time of of Jesus' earth walk, Peter and the other disciples are there, and wherever they went, there were the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious rulers of the day who scoffed at the supernatural. You know, I can, I can understand Peter's rage because if you walk with Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, and saw all the miracles that he performed and there standing by were a group of people just, you know, mocking and scoffing and coming against it, wouldn't you develop an attitude? I'd say Peter had an attitude. I'd say Peter was offended. And he cut that ear off. What did Jesus do? He, 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 he grabbed the man. And if you look in the Greek and study the Greek out, he forcefully grabbed Malchus' head like that. And a miracle. Isn't that interesting? An individual didn't believe in miracles, had a miracle. That tells you who Jesus was, who Jesus is, who our creator is, he's a god that's ready to forgive. He reached out at that point and brought healing to the man. Look at Matthew 18. We're talking about forgiveness today and I just wanted to talk about this one because I it's the first one and I believe it's it all of them all the statements are important and we're not going to spend as much time on every statement. That Jesus made as He hung on the cross, but I I believe this is priority. I believe it's priority for you and I to keep our hearts free from offense in the days ahead. Some of you through the years have listened to me and been offended, and you thought you were offended at me, but really, in all reality, you were offended because the word I spoke. The word, I'll tell you what, if you hear the truth, sometimes it it can offend you. Here are the effects of unforgiveness. In Matthew 18 and verse 21, it says... Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven... It's like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, but he was not able to pay, and his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii, and he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, kind of where this guy was at one point saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? In verse 34, and his master was angry and delivered him to the, what's your Bible say? Torturers. Until he should pay all that was due him, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his what? From his what? heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Unforgiveness takes its toll. Upon you emotionally, mentally, and physically, unforgiveness. Now, listen, will put you in bondage, it will torture you. You will be tormented if you continue to live your life offended. Amen. You'll be bound up. And the thing is, we don't realize if if we don't forgive, God will not forgive you of your sin. I don't have any sin, you say. We all have areas in our life, but it can be done. God is no respecter of persons. If Corey ten Boom, how many of you have endured a Nazi concentration camp. <laughs> Nobody here. Yet she made a decision, a quality decision to forgive the one, her tormentor, her persecutor. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for our forgiveness. It says in Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Hebrews 9, says, without the shedding of blood, There is no remission, or in other words, a release from bondage or imprisonment. There is no forgiveness without the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So what's your responsibility? Look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Here, the Apostle Paul tells us what you and I need to do. In verse 12 of chapter 3 of Colossians, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, verse 13, chapter 3, bearing with one another. <laughs> and what? Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. So we really don't have a choice, folks, do we? We have to make that that ultimate decision that we're going to forgive. In the, my Bible, it says this in the margin, to forgive is not to condone the sin as acceptable, to say it made no difference or to license repetition of it Rather, forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice, a decision made to no longer hold an offense against another person. Look at 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If Jesus forgave the very ones... That persecuted him, and he wasn't just referring to those Roman soldiers down there that were persecuting him and crucifying him. He was looking on to generations into the future. In First Peter chapter two and verse twenty-one, or excuse me, let's look at uh, yeah, verse twenty-one. It says, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, leaving us a what? An example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself was bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. First John 2, 6 states, He who says he abides in him should himself also walk just as he walked. He's our example. Today, this is a good message to prepare you for communion. We're not in communion today. We've done it on Palm Sunday before, but we're going to do it next Sunday. Now, you've heard this message, and only you and only I, we can search our individual hearts. And if you're not offended and if you don't have unforgiveness, then that's wonderful. But you will, and I, prom- I promise you this, you will have an opportunity in the days ahead to be offended. Pastor, have you ever been have an opportunity to be offended? Yeah. How about you? It'll happen. But come back, and I want you to remember and reflect upon what you heard today. You have a choice, I have a choice, you can choose to forgive that individual. Can you do it? Yes, you can. You might have to do what she did, cry out, Father, help me forgive. I can't do it, but through your grace, I can forgive. And then love takes an action, faith takes an action. Be willing to do that. Amen.